Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. Good to have everybody here tonight. Good to see you. Good to see uh, more and more starting to trickle back. And uh, of course, I just actually heard the word today that hopefully next week, phase two will be um, kicking back up, be opening up into phase two next week. Um, so I hope that will mean everybody will feel a little more comfortable in starting to ease back into church and ease back into that, um, that, that, that mindset of I need to go. Not just, not just uh, the fact that I'm glad we're able to come to you and we're able to do that, but I think we need to make sure that um, we keep it really important to our heart, important enough to, to be able to put forth the effort to really get out there, get back into the house of God. Worship God together, worship God in fellowship, worship God with one with the, with the other in prayer and love and kind of get back to that that way because I do know uh, beyond the shadow of a doubt that this, this country is facing some major spiritual warfare. I mean, it's, that is evident. It's not just about one or two things, but it is about some major spiritual warfare going on. And I believe that God wants the church to position itself to rise up and bridge that gap between what the will and the counsel of God is and what the world needs to hear, what the world needs to see. Um, So we as a church, uh, we have a big job to do, but we've got a big God. Amen. Amen. Uh, deserved a bigger amen than that, right? Because the Bible says he's great and greatly to be praised, not just barely to be praised. Right? So, um, amen. Amen. All right, yes, we are diving back into the book of Revelation. Um, It is something that I wanted us to really uh, grasp um, because there's so much going on right now. There's so many different things that are happening. There's so many uh, people out there saying saying this and saying that, and we want to make sure that uh, we go back to the book of Revelation and that we find that it is not something scary to read, that, um, there you go, got an echo going, (laughs) that it's not something scary to read, but that it is uh, something that the Bible actually gives us a promise that when you read it and you, you line your life up with this prophecy that you will be blessed so if, if this is the only book in the Bible that says, read it and be blessed, then there must be something very special about this. So we're going to go into that. Even more so, uh, last week we be, began with just um, some of the who, what's, where's, when's, and why's, and how's of Revelation. Um, this, this week we're actually going to dive into more of the actual context and actual scripture there. Um, I do want to echo what Pastor Jonathan has said, that he's excited about getting a new youth program up and going and running. Um, it's, going to be, it's going to be really neat. It's going to be really nice, and I think it's good timing now that Phase 2 is opening 
Um, I think it's going to be good timing. We're going to try this out for about six weeks through the summer, this program, see how it goes, and then we're going to take that and, and then build on that for this fall semester, which we hope and pray by then, right, things will be back to whatever normal is supposed to be. Because, uh, I don't know, I've never found normal. <laughs> never, never had a chance to find it. So, All right, having said that, um, Revelation chapter 1. Oh, with that, we are also, yes, definitely going to be doing some kids' ministry with that as well. So we're really going to focus on children's ministry, and we're going to focus on youth ministry, and um, there'll be more, more announcements, more information to come on that. Uh, we gotta get we gotta get rolling with that. So, all right, Revelation chapter one. Um, let's just read the very first three verses. Revelation one, two, and three. We're gonna stop right there. We'll say a prayer, and then we'll move on into the study. All right. For those of you that are joining online still, welcome. Glad that you're with us. Glad uh, I've had actually. Good, a good number of people text me or, or message me or something and say, hey, thank you for doing this right now because there's just so much going on right now. Um, and I want to be able to be in on what God is, uh, is, is doing. I want to know the book of Revelation. I don't, I don't want anybody to, uh, to trick me. I don't want anything to, to happen. And even some have said that, you know, I've never really read Revelation because um, it can be a little tricky. And... Um, but we're going to, I like to keep it simple. Amen. How many of y'all like to kiss? Right? Oh, don't look at me. I can see you blush through that mask. Right? Keep it simple, silly. <laughs> right? <laughs> keep it simple. I like to keep it simple. Here we go. Revelation chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which is just a little side note. It's just a, a, a little... Um, Pet peeve of mine, it's the revelation, right? No S. It reminds me of when my grandma always called it Walmarts. <laughs> or y'all remember Kmarts, right? Uh, we're going to Kmarts, we're going to Walmarts. All three of them, you know? No, it's, it's revelation because this is one big revelation um, that God has given to the Apostle John. So... Here we go. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. I went into the whole servants thing last week. Hope you got that. But just know this. You're one of his servants, I hope. Things which must shortly take place. As we have said last week, that is the first domino. It has fallen. Okay. And subsequent dominoes have fallen as well. Uh, we are heading hour by hour to that last, that, that, that last time, that last day, that last moment, the rapture, the, the, the tribulation time. The, we are moment by moment heading toward that. Okay? Just know that. Whether it happens tonight or whether it happens next week or whether it happens you know, 20 years from now, which means I'd have to raise two teenagers. Whew. Right? <laughs> but...
is happening faster and things are going faster and the world is getting smaller and, and uh, we have technology is going faster. Look how, look how fast we came just in the last 50 years, 20 years, 10 years. I mean, look how fast it was. Look how fast. I mean, I just graduated high school like last year. <laughs> just kidding. But in high school, my cell phone, it was this big, <laughs> right? Now, my iPhone has more power in it and more capabilities in it than my desktop used to have back in that day. So look how fast things are going, which, is, which can be good, can also be really, really bad. All right, let's move on. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John, <clears throat> who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Let's pray one more time. Father God, we thank you. God, we thank you that you have given us this book. Lord, you've given us this word. You've given us this Bible to, to know you by. You've given us inside this Bible. You've given us prophecies and, and direction and wisdom and guidance and truths and principles. And God, at the very end of this Bible, you have given us this book that has given us hope that no matter how dark things may seem, your light will never be extinguished. Just as John 1 said, and the darkness did not comprehend that light. Father, I want to thank you that this book of Revelation is unfolding very soon, very quickly. And I want to say I thank you, Lord, because that means that your will is being done. Your timeline is being unfolded before us. Your, your glory is going to show up. And as Apostle Paul says, we look forward to your glorious appearing. And I pray, God, that for, for those people that are not ready, Lord, may they hear your words and may they get their heart ready. And I pray, Lord God, that as we are in this time and season of history, that we as a church rise up. Rise up against the forces of darkness. Rise up against hate and rise up against fear and rise up against evil and rise up against the works of the enemy. Father, you never promised us that we wouldn't, ha that we wouldn't have to fight, but you did promise us that the victory is already yours. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty, wonderful, holy, incredible, glorious name. Amen. Amen. I get excited when I talk about the book of Revelation, not because I have vast and great and, and incredible knowledge that a lot of people don't have. I'm pretty simple, pretty basic when it comes to the understanding and preaching and teaching of the book of Revelation, but I get excited about it because we win. Right? We win. One of my favorite uh, movies uh, that um, is Facing the Giants, that, uh, that the, the, brothers have, the Kendrick brothers have put out. That's one of my favorite movies that they have put out, Facing the Giants. 
And I love, I've seen it probably 20 times, and I could sit right now, right now sit down, put it, on, put it in the DVD player, hit play, watch it again, and, and I, I still get tense in moments. But whenever I do, I just relax and say, but they win. In the end, God wins out. And I know there's a lot of tension going on. Oh my goodness, is there a lot of tension going on right now. Take a deep breath. Come unto Him, all you who are tense. And breathe and rest in the fact that He wins. That He has got this under His authority. He's got the keys to this in His hand. He is holding this in the hand of victory. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is on His throne right now. His will is going to be done. I just have to put myself in His will. Right? I'm here, I can hear you hopefully amening and shouting through the phone. Right? Because um, it's Wednesday and it's hard to get Woohoo on Wednesday. I know it's hump day. It's hump day, but here we go. Um, Revelation excites me because while yes, it is um, it's a little tricky to read, and yes, it is um, it can be very misconstrued when you read it out of context. It, it's hard to swallow some of the things that's going on. There in the book of Revelation, and that's why just a small, small recap, brief recap of last week, and that is, how do you read the book of Revelation? Somebody say one word at a time, right? Okay. How do you read the book of Revelation? You, you read it through three different lenses. And the first lens is this, is that you must read the book of Revelation through the lens of the context of spiritual warfare. Okay? This is spiritual warfare at its peak. Okay? So you can't read this and read through it and go, well, man, that sounds harsh. War is not something that is to be played around with. Okay? Just as evil is not something to be played around with, and just as there is a time in which God is going to say, enough is enough, and let me go take care of some business. Or if you're in my family, it's business. Go take care of some business, right? Um, it's important to understand that, number one, you're reading spiritual warfare. Okay? I don't know if any of you have ever read the book, This Present Darkness, um, but that is an, it's a book, it, it's, it's science fiction, but it's based on... Christian principles, and it is full of spiritual warfare, and it kind of brings to light and brings to the, the mind what is really going on behind the scenes in this world. And I'm telling you, there's a whole lot more going on behind the scenes in this world than a lot of people give credit to, okay? There is stuff happening, things going on behind the scenes of this world. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers that are in some high places, which means that they will try to have their authority over you. And unfortunately, a lot of people let that happen. But okay. But so number one, when you read this, realize this is spiritual warfare. Okay. You read about some of the wars in the Old Testament. That's some gruesome stuff. 
Right? Some of the Bible is not G-rated. It's just not. It's real. It's raw. It's transparent. It's, 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 it doesn't mess around with some of these things. When David, when David takes, goes to his enemies and, and, and takes the foreskins off of all of his enemies and makes a pile on, of them and then dances around it to the glory of God, there's, this stuff's not G-rated, okay? Well, neither is Revelation. Neither is Revelation. So understand that. What you're reading is real. What you're reading is, is serious. Uh, the second lens is to know that as real and as serious as it is, God is in control. Okay? He's in control from start to finish. That's why we read, or we will read here in just a minute, I am Alpha and the Omega. I am in control from beginning to end. And some people may think, well, man, that's, that's weird, you know, what's... Um, if God's in control, then why didn't He just snap His fingers and make the enemy disappear? And, and as, as, just to be honest with you, there are times I, I wish He would. I really do. But I have to trust in His righteous judgment. I have to trust in His holiness. I have to trust in His omnipotence and His omniscience. I have to entrust in those things that... He has allowed those things to happen just as He has allowed the sky to be black to show off the white stars, okay? The light, okay? He's showing off the light with some dark situations, okay? He's showing off in your life in all of those situations that the enemy is trying to work in. He's actually allowing that to happen so that He can show up and He can show His power and His strength. Apostle Paul said, I have prayed and prayed and prayed for this thorn to be out of my flesh. But God said, don't worry about it. My grace is sufficient. I will use that thorn to keep you dependent on me, and I will use that thorn to show you my grace. All right, we've got to move on because we'll never get through this. God is in, just know this, God is in control. All right, God's in control. Number three. Third lens to look at this, read the book of Revelation, is that when you cannot understand all of the little symbols, all of the symbolism, that's okay. Look, keep looking at the big picture. Okay? Keep looking at the big picture. Um, I, I have taught the book of Revelation, as I have said, probably 15 times, 20 times in my, in my life. Um, I've read it. 200 times in my life. And there's, there's symbols in there I don't totally 100% get. Okay? There are some I think I know, but it's very possible I'll be wrong. Um, there are some things, there's, there's a lot of things in the book of Revelation that to be quite honest with you, you can't be dogmatic on. Because it doesn't really say. And so you have a lot of people that are being dogmatic about a lot of things in the book of Revelation that it doesn't give you point blank dogmatism to, to do that with, okay? Th that actually happens a lot with Scripture. The, they will interpret it their way, be dogmatic about it because they want to be right. Because people like to point fingers and say, I told you so. But there's only one finger that needs to point this direction and say, I told you so. And that's the one who created this world with the very words he told. Right? The living Word of God that's Christ. Um... So, when you don't understand all the symbolisms, it's okay. Do some research. 
You'll probably find conflicting <laughs> answers in some of that research. Pray about it. Come back to it. If God hasn't revealed it to you, then just take a deep breath, settle in, and look at the big picture. Okay? Look at the big picture. All right. Now, having said that, let's move on to verse 4. Okay? Verse 4. Everybody celebrate. We've made it past the first three verses. All right? Here we go. So, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia. How many of you be glad about this? Grace and peace. That's what he's wanting. Grace and peace. Isn't it amazing how sometimes to have peace you've got to fight for it? Isn't that amazing? It, it's an oxymoron at first. Or Eli likes to say it's a conundrum. <laughs> he likes to use those words at nine years old. He likes to throw that out there, right? It's a conundrum. It's an oxymoron. It doesn't seem like that's the way it should be. But that's why God has the power it takes to do what he has to do. Okay, here we go. Grace and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come from the seven spirits that are before the throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to Him who loved us. Remember the big picture? Okay, that's... If you have a Bible and you like to, to write or highlight in your Bible like I do, circle that. That's big picture. Okay, that's, that's big picture. Okay, and washed us from our sins in His own blood and has made us kings and priests to His God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, He is coming with clouds, and every eye will see Him, even they who pierced Him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of Him. Even so, Amen. Here we go. I'm Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the all Mighty. Big picture. There's the big picture. Okay. Inside of this big picture, he gives us clues to outline the puzzle. He gives us, you, you all ever done puzzles, right? And uh, I've tried to do it a different way, but it didn't work too good. So I went back to the way my mom taught me how to do a puzzle. And you do the outline first, right? You, you find all the flat pieces, all the flat edges first. And you try to align the corners about where you think that they need to go. <clears throat> and you get that going first. The, this big picture, here it is. This is the outline. Okay? This is the outline to the puzzle pieces of the book of Revelation. That He is the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He's the Almighty. He was, he was and is and is to come. He's all these things. He's got the power. But not only with all of this power and this great enormity of who He is, He also says He's full of love and grace and peace and He wants that for you. And someone says, oh my goodness, wait a minute. The book of Revelation doesn't sound very peaceful. Okay, yes, but you've got to understand this. He's waited a few years. Okay? He's waited a few years. He's been way more patient with us than I would have ever been with a bunch of crazy people. Okay? Amen. And I love you. I love you people. I, I make a list on loving people. That's why I don't like technology that much. Sorry. I hope I didn't bust anybody's bubble. I'm not a huge technology fan. I'm just not 
because I, I use up all of my patience on serving and loving people. I ain't got none left for technology. Okay. All right. But God has been very long-suffering. He's been very patient. He could have just said, nope, I'm done. Snap my fingers five years after Christ had, had ascended and said, we're just moving on. But he didn't. Today, he's given you five more minutes, five seconds. He's giving you this second right now because he's patient and he's loving and he's knocking on the door of your heart again and again and again and again and again. Make the right choice. He's patient. He's patient. All right? So he throws in some things here that's a little weird if maybe you've never read this before. Like a phrase that says or reads... From the seven, or, and the seven spirits who are before his throne in verse 4. Seven, seven spirits? Does that blow Trinity out of the water? Now we're up to... So got to know what else is before the throne of God. Before the throne of God, we'll read later in Revelation that there is an altar before the throne of God. And on that altar, it is a representative of the altar of incense. And that is where your prayers, prayers go before His throne. Which means that there, is, there are seven spirits walking in to the midst of those prayers that are ascending before God and God breathing them in. And as He breathes your prayers in, He breathes out the answer to your He breathed your prayer in. He breathed your life in. Every spiritual blessing that is found united in Christ, He's already given you. It is already there. That's found in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. It's already there. You just need to position yourself to receive it. Okay? That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. He comes in to, to, to help us to receive that. So I feel like that these seven spirits that are before His throne represents the perfection of the Holy Spirit. Number of perfection. It also represents the like seven different functions, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's other interpretations that say these are seven angels. Um, there, there's other interpretations that basically say these are like seven lights that 
that that are there before him. Um, that that's fine. That that wouldn't cause me to lose my religion if it was an angel instead of a spirit. Okay, I just feel like it's the Holy Spirit and the seven functions of it because there's a prophecy found in the book of Isaiah. Book of Isaiah, chapter 11 and verse 2. Uh, from being 40 days and 40 nights fasting in the wilderness and being tested by the enemy. And he comes down from the wilderness and he goes to the synagogue and they say, it's as customary, they give him the, the, the scroll to read and he reads the scroll and he reads from Isaiah 61 and he says, for the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news and so on and so on and so on and so on. Here's another prophecy in the, from the book of Isaiah that says there's a spirit that is on him, and it's the same Spirit that he is going to now give unto us, called the Holy Spirit, and he says that it's the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. There's one. The Spirit of wisdom, two. Understanding, three, right? The Spirit of counsel and of power, the Spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. That could possibly be the seven. Here again, Spirit of the Lord is one. Spirit of wisdom is two. Three, understanding. Four, counsel. Five, power. Six, knowledge. And seven, fear of the Lord. Okay? So I believe that this is a picture of saying that God is completely ready. Perfectly ready. Isn't it amazing that in day seven, He rested. He's resting in his completion. And here he is before him, a completed work, already working it out before him. Being the intercessors, being an intercessory prayer and bridging that gap between him and us. Okay? It's through Christ. It's through the Holy Spirit. That's my take on it. Take it for what it's worth. You Maybe smarter than I am, and you may know the exact names of all of these dudes, but that's what I have always felt it would be, all right? So he goes on to say that from there, he's now washed us in his blood, and, and, and he's getting us ready, and he's giving us a picture of him. Now, this picture of him is just now being formed. He first tells you about how mighty he is. He first echoing to John how great he is. Now remember, this is John. His beloved disciple. He's already seen him. John already knows, right? John already knows. But let's look at what John is facing right now. John's on an island because of what? Persecution. And no matter how much you do know God, there are temptations and times and seasons that do make you draw back and think, oh, wait a minute. I know, God, you're big, and I know, God, you're powerful, but so does I still feel overwhelmed by all of the stuff that's going on in my life. 
Maybe that stuff is caused by my mistakes. Maybe it's caused by somebody else's mistakes. Maybe it's caused because we, we're a world filled full of darkness and men love dark rather than light. Um, it, maybe it's, it's, it's a combination of all of those things. And maybe, just maybe, God knows I need a reminder of who he is. Aren't you glad God is a God that reminds you? Because I need reminding all the time. Amen? Y'all ever had, y'all, how many of y'all have the hereafter disease? Y'all, you walk in a room and you think, what was I hereafter? <laughs> Especially there's a distraction that happens between this room and that room. In my case, I have an excuse. I don't know about how you, you other people, I have an excuse. I got two distractions, three if you count my dog. I got two major distractions that when I walk from one room to the next room, there's always a, hey dad, what? And then... And how many of you have to go back in the other room to remember it? (laughs) Good, you make me not feel so bad, right? (laughs) I have to do the same thing, but you know what? Maybe we need to do that with God. Maybe, maybe that's why Jesus said, remember me. Remember me. Remember me, John and Peter. James, remember me. Matthew, remember me. Remember remember how I loved those who were unlovable. Remember how I reached those who were unreachable. Remember how I raised those who were not alive. Remember how I caused eyes to open up. Remember how I unstopped deaf ears. Remember how I took the hand of children and raised them up from a deathbed. Remember, remember me. Remember me. You need to remember sometimes. You need to remember. All right. Let's, let's get in a, a fuller, richer picture of who John is remembering. Revelation chapter 1, and verse, starting at verse 9. I, John, both your brother and your companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. There's that patience again, right? Now, just a side note, when he says this tribulation, I know a lot of people have taken this and ran with it and said that we're already in the tribulation. That's not the same meaning to the word right here. What's he been in? Persecution. This is not wrath of God. This is persecution. Okay? That's different. All right, we got to move on. Was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, into Laodicea, or Laodicea, some want to say that. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one, like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, 
as if refined in a furnace in his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. How many times has he got to say that, right? I think he's trying to tell, he's trying to give John a clue that it's only over when I say it's over, baby. All right? It, it's, it's going to keep going. You're going to, you're going to keep going. My, your life is in my hands now. You are my workmanship now. Okay? I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. We'll go over that little section again. But now this, this rich, full, glorious appearance of Jesus Christ. Even more rich because it's John who knows him. I mean, John, the Bible says, laid on his chest and got close to his heart at the Lord's Supper so that he knew he would not be the one. He's, I do not want to be the one that betrays you, Lord. I want to be close to you. He's the one that's entrusted with Jesus' mother, Mary. This is John. John knows Jesus. And I know a lot of people who think Jesus is, is just some dude that they're going to high-five when they get to heaven. I don't think so. When I get before God, some, I think one of my kids even asked me, what are you gonna, what's the first thing you're going to do when you get to heaven? I told him, I said, the first thing I'm going to do is fall flat on my face and just, just, just throw my hands up to the Lord God Almighty because I, have, I will not have words to say. I will have tears to pour out. And I will be thankful that every tear I pour out, he will wipe away. Amen. He, he is an authority. He is the authority. And he demands respect. The picture he gives of himself is not the picture of a civil servant anymore. The picture he gives of himself, the picture he shows himself to John in is a picture of royalty, picture of priesthood, picture of prophecy. He's the one and only prophet, priest, and king in fulfillment. Here he is before John. One of the last pictures that John had of his ministry before the cross was him taking his robe and taking the sash down and girding his robe up and letting that sash fall down on the feet of the disciples that he just washed. Say, I'm the servant. I'm here to serve you. Now he stands before John where his sash is not around the waist as a servant anymore, but it's up around the chest and it's gold and he's now a royal king. He's now in deity, fully, completely, robed down to his ankles. His hair is white, and it's, in Scripture that just means he's full of wisdom. And some of y'all need to say amen. amen. And some of y'all would say it, but you, but you bought it in a box, and it's 
different color than what it was, right? Jonathan, I'm talking about you. <laughs> right? It means wisdom. It means I've been there. I've done that. I've been here a long time, and I see things from a different perspective that you'd see them. He's got eyes of fire, which represents not only his judgment, but I also believe his passion. He's got this sword that's coming from his mouth, which we know, everybody knows, that's representing the the word of God. That is sharper than any two-edged sword that divides from truth and what's false. Okay. He's got feet like brass. He apparently, he's, he's basically showing that I've walked through many fires. And I'll do it again for you. He gives John a rich picture. Aren't you glad he gave John the picture of, of him before he gave them all of this other revelation and all this other stuff? Because there are some pictures, if you take them out of context, it looks like the, the enemy's power really, really going to be overpowering the kingdom of God. But then you realize, no, no, we have this picture of how to understand the book of Revelation, that this is coming from a God who is in control. Fully and completely. Some of us need to remember that. Remember that and pray like that. Last night was one of those nights. So if I, if I ramble and drool a little bit, y'all just pay no attention to it. I got just a couple hours sleep last night, not figuratively speaking. Because it was one of those nights where my head and my heart were so heavy for this broken world. There were a lot of hours in prayer, a lot of hours in reading, and a lot of hours just sitting, honestly just sitting before God, just kneeling before God speechless. Just saying, God, just show me what I need to do and do what you want to do. Just here, here, Lord, here I am. Just have your way. Have your way. My heart was heavy. My mind was heavy. And last night I needed to remember. I, need, I actually went back and read this again. I needed to remember Jesus. And that He is in control. Amen? Amen. Let's pick up again Revelation 1.19. Y'all are going to make me run out of time again, aren't you? I'll tell you, Revelation is so rich. I mean, it's all rich. The Gospels are rich. John being my favorite Gospel. The book of Acts, Romans, Ephesians. It's all rich. But it's like, Revelation is like, I like whipped cream and cherry on top. If I'm going to go, go all out, baby. Right? Amen. All right. And Jesus gives a timeline here. It's a little, a little bit hidden, but there's a timeline, there's an order to the book of Revelation. There's a timeline. And it, it's a bit of a dispensational interpretation, um, but it's a, bit of a, it's a timeline here in Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. A bit of a timeline. We actually went over last week. Uh, who John was and what he did and how, why he did it and how he did it and all those things. And we actually found out that through many Bible scholars now and some, some archaeological sources now that they have actually found out that this could very possibly be the reason why John wrote his gospel. 
Because Jesus commanded him and said, write the things which you have seen. Write this thing, write, write, write this from a perspective of who you're seeing me to be. Write this from a perspective of, of the fact that you now have been had, you've now had this revelation that I've given it to you. And that's why if you've ever noticed, the book of John is, it's very, it's all spiritual, but it's really spiritual. It really spiritual, and that's the one that has the seven I am statements of Jesus, where he's, he's saying, I am, and I am, and I am, seven times. And we think it's from a heart that he sees Jesus as the great I am here now before him, not as just some humble servant. And so it's possible, quite possible, that he actually writes now the gospel. There's actually uh, one, a few scholars and, and a few people that have actually traced it back to a cave that he most likely had written a lot of this stuff in. Now, you got to remember, Patmos, it, was, it, was, it had people on it. It was populated. This was not just him only on there. There were actual people on this populated island. It was a very important island. It was an island just in the outskirts of the Roman authority that, that Ephesus was a port, a very influential port city. And this, they had to get through Patmos area to get to all of these port cities. And this was kind of like that last and final stop or that very first stop coming into port. And so there were a lot of people there and there were a lot of same people that were there in the mainland. And they were full of idol worship and full of pagan worship. And it was because of this that John is actually, for the first time, pinning down his gospel, his version of the gospel of Jesus Christ and handing it to, in fact, one in particular, they've traced it to one house in particular that becomes the first church there on Patmos. He then also takes it to Ephesus and then disperses it through the Gentile nations. Okay? So write about those things which was. Okay? The things you have just seen, John, write about what you just saw. Write about me being in my robe. Write about this. Write it. And then he goes on to say, and then write what? What next? The things which are. That's what he now tells his, we're going to dive into. We're not going to have near the time to get through all seven. In fact, we may just get through one or so. But this is the seven churches. He's, he's, he's about to tell him to write to these seven churches. Now, there were more churches than this. He chooses these seven Number one is probably because of proximity. They're all very close in that area. Number two, they were all very powerful, influential, and populated cities in Rome. Okay? Um, I wish we had time. I, might have, I may, have to, may have to do it. I don't know. I wish we had time to go through every one of them. You could just see, um, you could just see the dire need for God to show up in every situation. Almost like now, right? Almost like right now. All right, well, anyways, so he says, write to these. Now, there's, there's, a, there's an interpretation, a prophetic interpretation that says all of these seven churches represent a timeline of the main church itself. There's seven churches that's going to equal a, a timeline of all of the things that the church is going to go through, seasons that it's going to go through, um, I'm not 100% sure about that. I'm just going to be honest with you. I've, I've read a hundred different sources on this and that, and yes, it is, or yes, it's not. But I do know this about the seven churches. 
There is everything about the seven churches that we're about to read, we can go through and say, yep, that's something we're facing today. Yep, that's something we need to deal with today. Yep, that's something we don't need to do today. So it's also extremely practical information for us as the church to know what to do, to know how to do it, to know why to do it, to know why not to do it, to know that this is what it takes and this is what God wants. This is what Jesus is looking for in His church. Amen. Okay? First um, Thessalonians has a list in it. Um, James has something in it. There, there, there are some big snippets all through the New Testament that say, this is what I want my church to look like. Okay? This is what I want it to look like. This is a really good picture, snapshot, of what he wants his church to look like. Okay? But there is, a, and I do believe that there is this dispensational interpretation to the point that this, that there is a church age. Okay? And we're in that church age. We're in the age of the church. Okay? That time is going to draw to an end. Grace will still be there, and especially for those that are uh, Jewish and they're going to be turning to the Messiah and turning hopefully away from the Antichrist and all that stuff. But there is this church age that's going to happen before this revelational age, if you want to call it like that. Okay? All right, everybody good? All right. So, and then he writes, um, that's the things which are. And then he says, and then write the things which will take place after this. After what? After the church age. <laughs> right? After what he's just saying to write about. Don't make it complicated. Don't make it, don't make it complicated. It's, it's easy enough to do. Okay? Don't make it complicated. Okay. Here we go. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Now that's pretty cool. Every church has an angel. Right? I heard Gail say it was her. I heard it. <laughs> every, is it quite possible every church has an angel assigned to it? Very possible. And this is why I say, if you really could only see just a glimpse of to what is going on in the spiritual world, it would blow your mind. I have heard many reports of people that have seen angels, and I've been in the room being a hospice chaplain. I could probably bore you with some of the same stories I've already told before. Being a hospice chaplain, I've I have been there at deathbed scenes a lot. And almost every one of them, almost every single one of them, they see something incredible. I promise you they do. Some they vocalized. Some to the point you're like, whoa. <laughs> okay, I promise. If you could just see and in that threshold of time, they actually see through the Spirit better than the flesh because the flesh is dying. So their spirit man or woman is taking over and has more strength than the flesh and they can actually see in this threshold 
More than what you and I can see right now in all of our strength and our health and our good looks, right? Come on, somebody say amen to that. I just called you good looking, right? There's a lot going on. A lot going on behind the scenes. It's very possible. We got one angel sitting, standing somewhere over here. Maybe he's behind you. Maybe he's, I don't know. But that's pretty cool to think that God cares about us that much. That he's willing to do that for us. Okay? And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. It's a very important interpretation. I need you to understand this, that the church is the lampstand. Okay, I, I know, I, I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know the, the, the church is not the four walls. I get that, okay? But Christ is literally talking about a body of believers coming together in an assembly and he's calling them a lampstand for a reason. Okay? The church is extremely important to Jesus Christ. And if it's really important to him, it's really important to me. I get it. We, we're all crazy. We, none of us are, are perfect. Things happen. Things don't happen. Things have happened. I get it. We're full of people. We're, can I say that nasty word? We're full of hypocrites. We are. We, we're all. We've all. A hypocrite is an actor. We've all acted before. Good, bad, and ugly. Isn't that crazy? I called you good looking and ugly in the same sermon. <laughs> um, I get that. But I also get this. We are the bride of Christ and He's coming back for His church. And His church has power and authority in Him in the world. We are a representation of Him, His body here. And if His body can't get together here, we miss the point. His body was never broken on the cross. Why do we keep trying to break it up? Amen. We are a lampstand. That's why he says a city is set on a hill. Cannot be hidden. You don't have a candle and put it under a bushel. Okay? We are a lampstand. Now, I want you to get that because he does take this so seriously that later on when he's reading to some of these churches, he says, listen, I will snuff out that candle. I will snuff out the candle if you don't obey and do what I've called you to do. And we're going to go into some of the stuff that those churches were struggling with that is very serious and very poignant to today. Extremely poignant today, especially when we get to talking about the Nicolaitans and how serious that was and how crazy that was. But I'm out of time. I'm out of time, and I hope you have enjoyed. <laughs> wow, chapter one. Somebody say, Pastor, you're slow. It took you a whole hour to get through one chapter. <laughs> um, if you want to, go ahead and I challenge you. I want to encourage you. Go ahead and read chapter two before we go into it. Chapter two and three we will cover next week. That's a big goal I'm setting for myself. 
but I want us, I will do this, and some of you, I, I've already had some handouts. Um, if you want to see where those churches were located, that's, there they are. Um, if you want to see modern day, where they would have been, there they are. I gave you those two maps, sorry, I'd hand it to you through the phone, but I can't do that. Just, just research that for yourself, very easy to find. If you, need tr- if you have any trouble, if you need help with it, let me know. This, I'll send you these maps. Um, it's modern-day Turkey. Uh, then it was Asia Minor. Now it's modern-day Turkey. Uh, in fact, the, especially places like Ephesus, the, there's, there's still uh, some archaeology going on there. It, it's still very much a real place. Um, so, anyways, but what I'd love to do is once we go, as we go through, once we go through these seven churches, I want to take this, that, that and take, give you a big snapshot of here's the things that God said yes Good job. Here's the things you can clearly see. Stay away from it. Don't do it. Here's the command He's given you to do and to be the church He's called you to do and to be. And here's the promise that goes along with that. Because He gives that to almost every single church that He writes to. All right. So let's close in prayer. Thank you for... Uh, giving me an hour of your time this evening. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you um, being with us, joining with us, being here, being there, being everywhere. Thank you. We love you. We're here for you. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.